Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco, still. <laughs> Good, because if you weren't <laughs> Alyssa anymore, I would be pretty mad. I would be like, what happened to Alyssa? Was she a figment of my imagination this whole time? Like, what's been going on with COVID? Um, so, Alyssa, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, and this is going to feel very out of left field, but I swear I have a point. Um, what's the funniest thing to ever happen to you at the gynecologist? Funniest thing, once uh, I have my gyno, Dr. Bruce Vaughn, I had him for so many years, he's retired. And uh, I showed up at the gyno once and I get into my gown, you know, I'm like sitting there waiting for him and he comes in and he's like, why are you here? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why are you here? I'm like, I'm here for my exam. He's like, you were here three months ago for your exam. I'm like, no, I wasn't. And then I burst into tears because I was working at the White House and I'd completely forgotten that I had been to the gyno, called and made an appointment, still didn't trigger, and then showed up at the gyno for my appointment. And he was like, I think you need a day off. Like, I think you should just do a little, like, have a drink, do something. That's very, very nice of him. And that's also hilarious. And I did not expect you to have an anecdote at the ready. I have a gynecological anecdote. So this week I went to the gyno and I had my IUD removed. And uh, I see a midwife. I don't see a gynecologist. I adore her. Love that. She's incredible. And she uh, took it out and she said, do you want to see it? And I said, yes, because I guess that I was overcome with a desire to see what it looked like. And? And she held it up in the forceps, looks at it, and she goes, thank you for your service. She did not. (laughs) That is hilarious. She she thanked my IUD for its service. And I have never laughed so hard. And I have been thinking about it ever since it is She's just like maybe America's funniest midwife. I, that, I'm gonna. I'm that gonna is say. a great reproductive justice story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh uh, yeah, it was really hilarious. <laughs> it's like uh, 
just like, you know, they're just it's like little. an anchor. Doesn't it look like a little anchor? Yeah, like a little anchor. And it's just very, very small. And uh, didn't look like it had been inside my body for years. It just was like this little plastic I guy. thought that was going to be the punchline, if I'm being honest. I thought <laughs> it was going to have like the growth of like sea urchins on a real anchor at the bottom of the ocean of a maroon no. ship. No. Oh, but I, I do have another funny gynecological story. Um, the woman I used to see, I was getting a, an annual and she was, you know, doing the exam. And I hear her, she's literally like in my vagina. And I hear her go, oops, because she had accidentally, as she was doing the pap, like it got caught in my old IUD string and she pulled it out. Oh. Accidentally. Oh. Yeah. I was going to get nervous for you just then. Yeah, I had to get a new one. That, But they gave it to me for free. As they should. <laughs> they were like, we'll give you a free one. And I was like, Obamacare mandates that you give me a free IUD. Yeah, stop acting <laughs> so you're, you're not, doing me a favor. <laughs> you're not doing... You pulled it out of my... But it's okay. It ended up being fine. It was only like a couple months from being like done with its life anyway. So yeah. I can't believe you had a, a funny gynecologist story right at the at the ready. You had to assume... On this week's show, we're joined by Harris County, Texas Judge Lena Hidalgo, Kieran Deal, and Kara Clank to tackle the following questions. Is President-elect Joe Biden's cabinet stocked with goodies or duds? What happens when the governor of Texas picks a fight with you? And has lockdown fatigue given way to lockdown rage? All this and more right now. All right, Alyssa, there's some news stories this week that are fun, that would be fun to dunk on. Like Melania Trump just completed building a tennis pavilion on the White House grounds. Who doesn't need a new pavilion for tennis? Dumb asshole. Yeah. You know what is funny? She's a total, total fucking asshole. Um, But as soon as I saw that announcement that the tennis pavilion was done, finally. Oh, thank goodness, Melania. That we exactly what we needed. I thought, you know what? I bet tennis is yet another thing that Jill Biden is better at than Melania. Oh, hands down. I absolutely agree with you. And you know what? I'm sure that Dr. Biden will invite all kinds of, like, young kids to come learn how to play tennis. See, Melania spent her time and our money fixing a part of the White House that literally no one uses, (laughs) like, except the first family. So I just, uh, thanks, Melania, you fucking asshole. She sucks. Another news story uh, that I heard this week that would be fun to dunk on real quick before we get to the substance. Ivanka and Jared are reportedly looking at property uh, because nobody wants them anywhere. They need their own island. Yeah, they're looking at property on something called Billionaire Island, which is outside of Miami. But here's the thing. Are people that poor allowed on Billionaire Island? You would think there would have to be a vetting of their financials for them to be allowed mm-hmm. on it because it seems that once like the Southern District of New York and everybody's done with them, we'll know that they actually have like no money. Yeah, I mean, they might end up on a different island. <gasps> Rikers but, um, Island, perhaps. <laughs> Another news story that I really enjoyed this week, uh, a Texas rep, Louis Gomert's tooth fell out while he was talking. Um, look. You have access to the very best healthcare in America. You are a congressman. Go to the fucking dentist, you hillbilly. I'm sorry. Louis Gomert is a bad person, and I think that it's funny that his he, teeth fell out. I don't he care. Is a, he is a terrible human being. There's nothing redeeming about him yeah. whatsoever. And for a normal person, if their tooth fell out, I would not think it was funny. I only think it's funny because it's him. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like that whole, um, that's like the line in uh, Mean Girls. Like, I think it's funny that your tooth <laughs> fell out because I hate you. I don't hate you because your tooth fell out. Exactly. You know? Yes. Another uh, another news story that I've enjoyed this week, uh, the Supreme Court denied the in Trump campaign's bid to overturn <laughs> <laughs> to overturn the Pennsylvania election results nine to nothing. One sentence ruling. He has to feel so mad that the people he wrongly put on the Supreme Court against all protocols were like, nah, hard pass. Yeah, even like Alito. They were all like, nah, we're not doing this. (laughs) You know, though, you know, I think it is kind of pathetically funny to watch all this. Like, I feel like all the people that like live north of the Mason-Dixon line and have like Confederate flags displayed in the back of their truck windows have a new lost cause to embrace. And that is the Donald Trump lost cause of the presidency. <laughs> he is essentially just like, I will rise again. No, you won't Supreme actually. Like, no, you absolutely won't. You won't. Nine, zero, you will not. Um, finally, this is a story I did not enjoy. Kellyanne Conway is reportedly writing a memoir. <gasps> And uh, is is getting paid American money to to do that. Uh, Multi-millions of them. Multi-millions of American dollars. You know, look, uh, we don't know where this book is going to land. I don't think we have any details about what publishing house is going to publish it. But if there are any authors listening and uh, you are happen to be at the same publishing house as Kellyanne Conway's book— I think you'd be totally within your rights to band together with other authors and be like, if you publish this shit, we are all leaving. I agree. It's, you know what it is? It's that they all fiddled while Rome burned. And what got me so angry is that they call it an unvarnished account of what's happened. And to get multi-million dollar things, she has to have promised some gossip, like some good dish on Trump. And like, if he was such a problem, if there's such dish, why didn't you fucking do your job and handle it at the time? It is so repellent. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I hope someone gets a copy at some point and just fucking puts it on the internet. Even though she will have already got her millions of dollars, she won't get more. Yeah, like that guy Milo Yabadabadopoulos right, or whatever exactly. his name was. Remember, you know, um, you know, I think— I think that, yeah, she absolutely, it's going to be a horrible way for trees to die to in service of publishing that book. Um, also, another thing is, like, people in that administration love flapping their gums. Like, there are every single, I guarantee that every single secret about the Trump administration has been told to a reporter at some point. And, you know, I think another thing that reporters should be doing right now is starting to burn their sources in the Trump White House. Tell us Agreed. everything, you know? Like, for example, did you know I heard that uh, Kellyanne Conway doesn't like Ivanka? And I heard, this is a rumor, that uh, she had a fake Ivanka voice that she would use to imitate Ivanka when she's not in the room. Like a fake, a mean fake Ivanka voice. That is both so petty and so awesome. (laughs) Right. I feel like the, the gif, it's like a... Asian American man standing there and it like zooms out and it says, let them fight <laughs> underneath. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like, good. Ivanka Kellyanne, go at it. Fight. Keep keep fighting. I, I, I'm enjoying this fight. Okay. So those are the like kind of fun, breezy little news stories. Um, 
I want to get into something a little bit more substantial, though. Joe Biden, the president-elect, regardless of whether or not Trump admits that reality is real, um, Joe Biden is starting to put together a cabinet. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alyssa, I would love for you to kind of take us through who he's named so far and uh, who are some noteworthy good picks and some noteworthy disappointments. So a couple things. We have talked about Ron Klain being named chief of staff. We love him. Not only is he someone who understands how the White House and Congress and all the branches work, but he has actually quelled a pandemic before. So nothing but love for Ron Klain. Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, has been with Biden for ages. Wonderful man. We used to say he had the best hair in Washington, D.C. He does. Um, Ooh, it'll be nice to have a Secretary of State with, like, a male Secretary of State with good Right. Hair. I mean, we can talk about it. Oh, he's having a good hair day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Linda Thomas-Greenfield is has been nominated to ambassador to the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. She's a career diplomat and also a fucking badger. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, who else do we have? White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I'm actually talking to her later today. I have known Jen since I've known Fabs on the Kerry campaign, and uh, she will restore integrity to the podium. Um, God bless Dr. Anthony Fauci, chief medical advisor to Joe Biden. We are super excited about that. So far, though, there has been a lot of back and forth about the Secretary of Agriculture, USDA. Um, We heard it was going to be Heidi Heitkamp. And first of all, let's just say this. Every president deserves their cabinet. Whoever the fuck they think they're going to work with, they're going to get shit done with, they deserve their cabinet. That doesn't mean that sometimes we can't have an opinion. So there had been a lot of discussion about Marsha Fudge, Congresswoman from Ohio, uh, being potentially uh, the Secretary of Agriculture. Uh, Feeding America was behind, sent a letter supporting her, the NAACP. And what is so interesting and was so interesting about that idea is that we have reached a point in this country where the Secretary of Ag and USDA really needs to think about things like food insecurity and how 50 million Americans right now are food insecure. And and it's funny because when you if you actually go back in time, Michelle Obama is the first person who really rang the bell uh, about getting people to think about it in this way. And so um, Marsha Fudge, we have found out, is not going to be uh, the head of ag. She is allegedly, apparently, going to be named for HUD, which is great. I love Marsha Fudge. I want her in the cabinet. I just, um, Tom Vilsack is is uh, rumored to now be the uh, number one running for uh, USDA. He was the Secretary of Agriculture for eight years in the Obama administration. He is a wonderful man. I hope that he can uh, look at the mission of that agency differently, given the struggles that we are all having now during this pandemic. And I think that in a country as rich as ours, everyone should fucking be able to have food on their table, good food on their table. And this has always been particularly a passion of mine because growing up, I've talked mm-hmm. about before, my grocery store that I worked at was one of the only ones in the area that took food stamps. 
And it was a real mind fuck for me at like 15 years old to have people come through and bring their food. And it was like, I decided what they got to have and what they didn't. It's like, oh no, this is taxable grocery. You can't have batteries or diapers with your food stamps. And so it's Mm -hmm. time to fucking change how we think about food in this country. I hope Tom Vilsack will do it. Um, And so that's kind of where we are. There's still, uh, there's still more to come, more to come. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Biden's pick for uh, health and human services? Javier Becerra, he is AG of California was a big proponent of uh, the Affordable Care Act, helped shepherd it through Congress when he was a member of Congress. I think he's great. Um, I think that some doctors were hoping for potentially a doctor. But I am mm-hmm. sure that Biden knows things that we don't about Becerra and how he is uniquely qualified at this time for that job. So the funny thing is, like I said, like I clearly have opinions on certain things. We all do. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. we are rooting for every single one of these people to be confirmed, to get their jobs, and to fucking get on with business because there is not one agency that doesn't need a complete overhaul after the last four years. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about the age adjust thing, and I don't know if you remember this, but 17,000 years ago, there was a guy named Tom Price who was in charge of HHS. Forgot about that fucker. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Tom Price, who basically like used the government like a piggy bank. He flew around like a hillbilly spending like just shy of a million dollars on private planes that when he could have taken commercial planes. Um, He reimbursed the government for about $52,000 of what he spent on private planes. Uh, That was only the cost of his ticket. And he is a multimillionaire doctor. I Really, money cannot buy you class. And Tom Price was just a real example of like, a, yeah, just sort of like a, a real classless guy. And then so he he kind of got forced out. Um, he was also an actual zealot yeah. on his last day uh, in a message to staffers on the day he submitted his resignation. Um, he closed by saying, duty is ours, results are the Lord's, which, you know, given everything that's kind of happened during the last years of the Trump administration with public health seems a little bit ominous. Uh, God hates you, Tom Price, is what I'm saying. And then we had Alex Azar, who is the current HHS head, who is a disaster. He famously declared the agency the Department of Life because he's that anti-abortion. He did do that. He did do that. And now 300,000 Americans are dead. Whoopsie-daisy, Alex Azar. So look, Javier Becerra is not the person that if I were to like make a dream list of people, I would have picked. Which we've done. Which we have definitely done. But I, like you, Alyssa, am going to hold off like, you know, wagging my finger until I, till they have a chance to do their job. Get in there, show us what you got. Get in there and show us what you got. Do we know who's going to be an interior yet? No, we have not heard, but Deb Halen. Deb Halen. Please. Has please. To ha- like, that would be... That would be the ultimate uh, just representation of what the agency should be about. Mm-hmm. Deb Haland would be the first ever Native American to hold the position of Secretary of the Interior, and it is about goddamn time. And isn't she from your favorite state? She is. She's from New Mexico. Um, and, like, you know, I think one thing that the Trump administration did, you know I love public lands, Indoors is canceled, so we all got to go outdoors. America's national parks and public lands are incredible resources. And in terms of like a place to enjoy nature, a place to really feel connected to the land, 
I can think of no better steward for our public lands than a person who whose ancestors were here first. I think that that we absolutely should give people who are like First Nations people, Indigenous people, Native Americans, uh, more of a say over what goes on over in public lands. I agree. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. Deb Haaland, please, Deb Haaland. What if she, if they do nominate Deb Haaland, this will be the witchiest call. Of all time. Of all. All right. Well, we will be waiting with bated breath for more uh, announcements from Team Biden. But first, I'm really excited. We have an interview with somebody that we're a huge fan of. I mean, we have been wanting to talk to her for a long time. Yeah, she is uh, Judge Lena Hidalgo from Texas. You may have heard of her as a person who is uh, standing up and getting in kind of public scuffles with the governor of Texas because she um, has stood up for public health, stood up for voting rights access. So excited to talk to her. And that interview will be right after this break. Okay, guys, today we are thrilled to welcome Judge Lena Hidalgo. She currently serves as the county judge for the third largest county in Texas, Harris County. Her swift action on COVID, fearlessness in standing up against family separation at the border, and her dedication to making voting accessible for her constituents has rocketed her into national headlines. And guess what? She's not even 30 years old yet. She's also a proud recipient of 10 out of 10 from the Twitter account Room Raider. Please welcome the Honorable Judge Hidalgo. Judge Hidalgo, oh, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me and, and for noting that proud accomplishment. <laughs> the, the 10 out of 10. <laughs> I mean, you've got a plant, you've got a flag, you've got pictures, you've, you've got it all. You've figured it all out. <laughs> um, so I just want to start by saying, you know, first off, you have accomplished so much at an age when many of us were still in our, to use a technical term, screw off stage. <laughs> I think. Uh, have you always felt that this was your path and what motivated you to run for such an important office? No, not at all. You know, I, I saw myself as an advocate and someone pushing uh, it, the system from the outside to do better. I grew up in Latin America. I did a lot of work abroad and I sort of saw government not working. And I knew that civil society, a free press, that's what gets government to deliver for people. Um, but I'm I'm one of the women, you know, like so many women after the, the 2016 election, I decided that it wasn't effective enough for me to be on the outside. And that if I ran for office um, and I won, I could have so much more of an impact that I couldn't just sit while Trump, you know, made things even worse. And that if he could win, why couldn't I win? Um, so I this was not in the plan at all. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm glad I threw my hat in the ring and I, I hope it also inspires other people to do that. Judge, how do you confidently make decisions that you know will be unpopular with some constituents? You know, I, that's been the theme of COVID. If you, if you were to kind of put a little sub, a subheading on, on COVID-19 crisis and, and local government's handling of it. Is, is your question. And the reality of it is just having a strong moral compass and being able to keep that, that North Star. You know, I think 
I see some of the folks that are flip-flopping, right? Like um, our governor here in Texas, um, you know, the, the a lot of our federal leaders that you you look at one statement one day and then you look at another statement a different day and, and you they can't, they don't coexist. You know, clearly they're just putting their finger up, they've seen which way the wind is blowing. And maybe I'm just not smart enough for that. I, I couldn't possibly keep track of so many, you know, conflicting perspectives. Um, so I decided early on, um, you know, when I ran, when we won, I'm going to do what feels right, um, even if it's harder and it, and it sounds cheesy, but honestly, it makes things so much easier. And it means, uh, for example, I don't I don't take contributions from folks who do business with the county and a lot of local governments, the way candidates are funded is they take contributions from the contractors, the developers, the builders, you know, we give out billions of dollars in contracts every year in Harris County. Um, so I don't do that, which means I don't receive any calls from people saying, Hey, can you, you know, no, no kind of funky ass, uh, folks know not to on COVID. Same folks no longer call me saying, "Hey, if you make this decision, you're not going to get reelected," because they know that's not going to have a bearing on my decision. So the flip side of it is, look, it, I, I, it's not a guarantee that we're going to win again. I hope we will. I hope folks will see the results of our work. I think um, I, we receive a lot of support from the community, and I think people and voters can see when someone is making decisions based on what's right and not trying to see which way the wind blows. Uh, but m fundamentally, it means it's easy for me to make decisions. I can sleep at night um, and it's, it's not hard for me to keep track of, you know, my past positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being able to sleep at night is a big plus when you have a, a hard job for sure. Um, so one thing that uh, kind of put you in national headlines around the election was you really push to make voting accessible for your constituents. And sometimes you butted heads with people in your state that seemed kind of anti the democratic process. Um, do you say, do you think that you have something in common with say Republican officials in Georgia who are standing firmly behind election results, even there, though their guy didn't win? Yeah, so first, and I think listeners understand this, but although my title is judge, my position is really an executive position, right? So I help manage the budget for this huge county, and that also includes the budget for the elections. And I'm the director of emergency management when there's a crisis like COVID, fires, floods that we've had. Um, to be honest, and, and I think this, this highlights the point that, that I think you're right, is, you know, the day of the election, you know, that Tuesday, um, I was one of people was up until Trump spoke at two in the morning. I, 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 I put myself through that. Um, and then I, I went to sleep and I slept great because we had a very successful election here in Harris County. We had record turnout. We had drive through voting. We had 24 hour voting. We had um, uh, tripled the number of early vote locations. I mean, it was just beautiful. And even though I didn't know you know, ultimately how all the races had panned out in my community. It had gone well, um, things were being reported and, and we're on track to be finished reporting soon. And, you know, I was just happy that people voted. So, and, and why is that? I mean, obviously I'm a Democrat. I want Democrats to win. I believe Democrats have, are running on platforms that bring good government. Um, that said, 
I believe that democracy depends on participation and that opening the doors to government is just good for democracy. Um, so in that sense, I, I think I have something in common in the sense that we're trying to protect those democratic institutions and we're trying to, to not pander to political interests. Um, and, you know, the other side of it, though, is is so many of the 2020 fights have been fought on the shores of local government, where it's co whether it's COVID, whether it's criminal justice or elections. I mean, while we were trying to do this, the Republicans at the state level were trying to shut down our uh, polling mail ballot drop-off locations and stop drive-through voting. And so it's just a constant battle, constant battle. Judge, what is it like when the governor of Texas openly contradicts you? We're uh, specifically talking about when Governor Abbott wrote an executive order to nullify your local order. Yeah, I um, it, it was hard for me to believe, you know, we initially, right? We've been through crises. My second day in office, there was a heavy rain in Harris County. So we had to kind of take a detour to the emergency operations center as I was coming into to our office. Um, we've had... Uh, massive chemical fires, floods. So COVID wasn't the first time that I was working with the state on, or with Republicans. You know, I've got 34 cities in Harris County, including Houston. A lot of those mayors or some of those mayors anyway are Republicans. And when there's a disaster, usually it's just, you know, let's get down to business. Let's get this done. That's how it started with COVID. And then things began getting really political. And so I was watching actually the press conference where, you know, someone asked him about, you know, some judges are in enacting, county judges are enacting um, mask mandates, mask requirements, and what are you going to do? And that was, to me, sort of the moment of truth. You know, is he going to cave to the far right and make this political, or is he going to go with what he knows is right? And I will never forget, you know, when I saw that and, and he said, well, not only is uh, there masks are not going to be allowed, and then as it turns out, he also stripped um, the county executive's authority to do anything. So no longer could I have a stay home order, uh, anything with restaurants and bars, nothing with schools, you know, the entire, uh, everything had been stripped. So it's really disappointing. Um, that said, it also is not an excuse to give up. I'm not going to throw my hands up, um, irrespective of what he's done and how political this has become you know, we've focused on getting tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, not just the federal CARES Act dollars, but also local dollars out the door for renters, for childcare, for um, digital divide, you know, hotspots and computers, uh, domestic violence, you know, sort of time-tested programs with that were tracking their success and, and with a focus on the most vulnerable people, including undocumented immigrants. Um, and I've focused on being very, very clear on the message about how seriously we need to be taking COVID. So at least there's one level of government that's beating, you know, beating the drum based on data and, and being consistent all throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, time has proven <laughs> you right, even though, you know, the, the way that you've been proven right has been just very hard to watch, I think. Um, what do you hope to accomplish before the end of your first term? And second part of this question, have you given any thought to what comes next for you? Like maybe a run for governor? Might you unseat Ted Cruz one day? We would love to see you unseat Ted <laughs> Cruz. Where where are you with that? So as far as what, you know, what I want to get done, obviously some priorities were displaced 
by COVID because there's just so many hours in the day. Um, but part of what I've been really proud of is, is our ability to start an early childhood education focus. There's, you know, it's, it's hard to find a public program that has, that has a better return on investment than early childhood education. And, um, and by that, I don't just mean pre-K, but really, you know, very young kids, even prenatal. Um, and we saw the need for that even during COVID. So many essential workers that just don't have childcare for their, for their children. And it's a big issue in Texas. So we started a, a, a $10 million pilot program this year. I'm hoping to see that through to where we see a truly massive investment in early childhood in the county. And it's going to take, you know, some work. Um, my proudest project is reforming the way we do budgeting. You know, when I got here, it was uh, the budget was presented to us, you know, for each department, we received one page. It's a $5 billion annual budget. And the proposals were whatever was done last year, plus 2% for inflation. And so nobody's asking like, wait, do these programs work? How are you measuring success? Have you looked at best practices? And now uh, we're reforming the way we do budgeting. And that has led to big investments in environmental protection and climate change, uh, criminal justice reform and bail reform, this you know early childhood, and also um, immigration, immigrant legal defense fund. I mean, we're really trying to move and, and, and steer this big ship that is county government. So I hope we can continue to do that. Um, and, um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really focused on children elections and just institutionalizing good government in the county so we can demonstrate what happens when, you know, hopefully you elect good people that deliver and people want to continue participating. Um, and as far as what's next, I mean, some of these projects, it's, it's such a massive county, you know, there's so much to do then on the health side too. I mean, um, and there's so much that uh, obviously we need the state for, but but we're, we're going to keep fighting irrespective of whether we have the states and the feds. So I'm hoping, I'm planning on running for re-election. Um, I don't want to be here 30 years. <laughs> you know, normally these positions, uh, folks leave only if they are indicted or they die. That That's not my plan. Um, and so, uh, and after that, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I have a huge commitment to the state. I have a lot of hope for the state. Um, and, and, and I, I just think there's so much promise, which, which is, is, you know, what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting to talk to a local official who is as plugged into what's going on locally as, as you are. It's, it's really really cool to see. Um, Judge Lena Hidalgo, thank you so much for joining us. We're big fans of yours around here and we can't wait to see what you continue to accomplish. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. 
I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like parched? I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you... Stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Okay, welcome back. We've reached the part of the show where Alyssa and I are joined by two lovely women to talk about stuff that isn't politics or is kind of adjacent to politics. First, I want to welcome our international correspondent, Kieran Deal. <laughs> Hello. Who Hello. Who is in in Florida now? You've made it you made it back. Yes, yes. I yes, I took a I took the the scary vehicle of an airplane after Thanksgiving when there were 19 people flying in economy. When I called, an Indian man told me exactly how many people were flying, and then I went and came back. And the sun is shining, but the COVID is high here. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I was really hoping that you were still in the UK selfishly because I really wanted you to update us on the latest news regarding that homophobic Hungarian politician who was forced to resign after being caught in a 25-man Belgian orgy that violated COVID guidelines? You know, my unofficial opinion on this, Ryan, is if you're going <laughs> to go out, go big, you know? Right, orgy right. or bust, that's what I say. Orgy <laughs> or bust. Yes. Right. Like, why have a simple one-on-one affair, you Exactly. Know? Or a party, have a-, a holiday party is your super spreader. Boo. Boring. <laughs> like, we've seen it. Been there. Done that. Give me something to talk about. Give me a video to look for on the internet when I'm bored late at night and socially isolating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're back stateside. I can feel your presence and it's angry. <laughs> um, <laughs> also joining us today is a very special guest. She is a comedian, actor, and writer, LA's Holy Trinity, And she has her own podcast called That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast on the Exactly Right Network. It premiered on Tuesday the 8th. That was just this Tuesday. Please welcome Kara Clank. Hi, everybody. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
Um, Kara, first of all, can you tell us a little bit, bit about your podcast? Because we're big SVU fans. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think Alyssa Mastermonico is maybe <laughs> the biggest SVU fan in the world. So it's it's so funny because it's like when we originally were, when I was originally coming up with the idea for the podcast, I was like, we, I'll tell you what the format is, but I was like, I would love to have guests too, like comedians and stuff who like SVU. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, who likes SVU? It's not really the kind of thing that we're all posting about all the time, you know, but it's like great, great to know you love it. Like other people love it. But it's like, I kind of feel like I'd have to send a tweet out being like, which one of you guys are closet SVU fans? Because it's just not, I don't know. It's like, I know who likes drag. I know who likes housewives. SVU, it's like a little bit more esoteric to figure out who is into it. So anyway, the podcast <laughs> is it's myself and Lisa Traeger, a very hilarious comedian. We um, we do a recap of an episode. We, we're not going in order. We're jumping all over the map. There's 470 plus episodes of the show. So uh, going in order. Yeah, it's just we wanted to focus on ones that are based on true crimes. And so the first half of the show is, uh, you know, analyzing the episode. The second half is d uh, doing a deep dive into the true crime it's based on. And then the third part is we interview an actor from the show, from the episode. How do you get in touch with, like, do you just go to IMDb and, like, find well, people? Well, honestly, I thought we were going to be interviewing a lot more, like, joggers and fruit vendors and, like, random people <laughs> that, like, you know, ra like, random, like, I had two lines in this episode kind of people. But we've actually ended up getting a lot of, like, really great, prominent, like, stage. We have, we just had an Oscar winner we interviewed last week. Um, so, like, we're, we're getting more, like, because, you know, Law & Order is, like, all these stage actors, all these really, like, like um, well-known actors. It's a lot of people I tell, I say it's a lot of people who, if I told you their name right now, you'd be like, um, but if you saw their face, you'd be like, oh, I've seen them in everything, you know? So mm -hmm. we're getting a lot of people like that. And uh, we have a booker. So that's how we're getting people. I'm not just oh, like, cool. it, I, unfortunately, I'm not just like Twitter DMing <laughs> people because I don't think that would work. <laughs> Sometimes that works. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, Super fan of SVU. What's your favorite? Oh my SVU god, there are episode? so many. But if I had to pick one, you can't, it's like impossible. It is the the <laughs> one that I really enjoy was when the guy from Friday Night Lights was like the religious guy who had raped his daughter, and she ran away to New York to get an abortion. And a Kyle Chandler. Yes. No, 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 not Kyle Chandler. Blonde guy, the football player. That's right. Yes, and she goes to New York to get an abortion. Yes. That was only a couple seasons it ago. It was, but it's very, I've watched it many times because I just, it's like one of the episodes, the reason I became so obsessed with SVU during the Trump presidency, I had always watched it before, but now it's such justice. It's like justice. Yeah. They got that motherfucker. She got her abortion because she wanted it. It was just like Mariska and Rollins. They were all there for her. It was fucking great. <laughs> I have a favorite episode of SVU that I would like to share. Oh, yeah. What? Tell. The one where John Stamos is poking holes into condoms. Yes. He's a super, he's a, <laughs> um, it's called a, I think it's called a, a fertility abuser or something. Abuser. Or like a, um, Remember the word abuser. Yeah. He basically just, he gets a ton of women pregnant. He has like 50 children because he's a, it's, oh my God, what is it called? It's not a fertility abuser or something. It's like, a, it's like a, I don't know, insemination, insemination abuser or something like that. And it's an amazing episode. And fun fact, when they bust him in the bathroom, putting the hole through the condom, through the, like a diaphragm, the woman he's with is his now wife. Shut the fuck up. He married that woman. What? That's who John Stamos. He married that woman. He married that woman. Hold on. So this is crazy. Yeah. I worked on this episode because I was a directing shadow on that episode. So I was oh. there for the whole time. And 
and, and I have some insider baseball about that, and I don't think I should share that on the podcast. About yeah, oh my god, I don't think I should. Sh- so get that's, into my DMs so immediately. That's wild. With this info. That's wild. What I can tell you is that I was Look, responsible. Like I kept being like, "Yo, we should put an Indian in this." Like, we should put an Indian in this. And if you look, there's a couple Indians in that because of me. Because I was like, yeah, why can't John Stamos a fuck some Indian lady? Oh, he was like, yeah, he yeah. was. And I think his. I got some Indian yeah, people some jobs. A, I was real proud of that. I was like, this is power. That's awesome. This is, I'm very power adjacent here. Oh, this that's is the so best funny. conversation oh, you guys. It's like we're recording an episode of like. Kara, this is like an episode of your podcast within this podcast. I know. It's like a mini, like, let's just, let's that's just messed keep going. Up let's talk about the real let's crime. Let's go with it. <laughs> let's go with it. You know, I think, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about true crime because, you know, I'm a American lady and we all have like a part of our brains that are devoted to true crime. And um, I've thought a lot about how almost like, and, and it's fucked up to feel like this, but it almost feels comforting during COVID times to watch a show or to read about something that has a villain that is visible and like not killing hundreds of thousands of people. Um, And that at the end of the show, everything gets wrapped up because COVID is sort of this like episode of horror that just like never ends. So this is my segue into like the topic that we're going to talk about this week because it's COVID, COVID, COVID all the time. So For a lot of this year, you know, we were locked down. We weren't sure that there was a vaccine that was even coming. So we stayed home. We canceled plans. I canceled two fucking weddings. Um, But now there's like a vaccine on the horizon um, and a timeline for distribution right as the numbers are getting really, really, really bleak. Like um, a childhood friend of mine, I found out this week um, back in northern Wisconsin, her mother got COVID and had to go to the hospital. And the closest bed that they could transfer her to was in Fargo, North Dakota. I saw your post about this and it was like horrifying. Like I just cannot. Yeah. She's, you know, uh, like that family, I've known them for my whole life. And she's just like, they're just the nicest people. And it's just really, it's like, you know, you, you see it on the news and you read about it. And it's like, when, when it happens to somebody close to you, you're just like, oh my God. So she had to go to Fargo, North Dakota, 250 miles away. Um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, like didn't have space to take her. Like it's just, it's really bad. Um, But at the same time, you know, as it's getting this bad, you know, people are telling us lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. I read this week that like 55% of people in Los Angeles are just ignoring the stay at home order. Um, So Kara, I'm going to start with you. Do you think we're getting sloppy and half-assing our pandemic behavior because we've been lulled into a false sense of safety by the proximity of the vaccine. Do we have, if you will, vaccine uritis? <laughs> vaccine uritis. That's a good one. Um, Karen's making a mad face. It's a face of passion. It's a face of passion. Passion mixed with disgust. <laughs> I mean, I like I, me personally, like z- nothing has changed for me since March. Like I, everything is pretty much the same. I will say like probably August, September, we were, I felt like everybody was loosening up a little bit. Like more people that were, more people that were really strict were now willing to like go on a walk or like hang out in a backyard from six feet away or something like that. I felt like people were loosening up as cases were. And I, and I we were talking about the citizen app before we got on the mic and like, I was getting citizen updates every day that were like saying, oh, the cases are decreasing, the cases are decreasing. So I was getting lulled into this like, oh, it's it's so few cases in LA. Now this spike has hit 
I, I don't know. I'm having interesting conversations with people about the vaccine because some people are like, oh my God, Michelle Collins famously tweeted, I want it blow darted into my neck. Like, just give it to me immediately. <laughs> and then other, I have other friends that are like, they think I'm going to be in the second wave. And it's like, well, of course you are. You're not an ER doctor. Um, So I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that the vaccine is like making anybody feel more, maybe it's my own personal bubble. I feel like everyone is still taking it really seriously, but I don't know. I, I I haven't heard anybody act like, well, whatever, the vaccine's on its way in terms of vaccine uritis. <laughs> right. I mean, does does like having a make kid this worse? <laughs> make it but, Yeah. Well, on one hand, my mother is a pediatrician and has told me, you know, some of my patients are starting to get it. It's really just not presenting very like badly in children. Like it's just none of her kids are having horrible symptoms. And so th- that's that's like a plus for me when I think about taking my daughter to a playground or something like that. Um, but then on the other hand, I know people have varying degrees of safety. It's like no one wants to be the first person who's like, oh, my kid got very sick from COVID because everyone kept saying that the, no kids were getting sick. I, I I actually got into a little conversation on your Facebook page recently, Aaron, where people were talking about playgrounds mm-hmm. in L.A. I got a text right before we started that said that L.A. has reversed the decision on playgrounds. And is ne- oh they were they were closed they were closed down, down and now because open. parents are protesting it because parents are like I think rightfully so like why are people allowed to go shop in indoor malls and my kids not allowed to play outside and then I think people were saying stuff like oh it's the mask issue because kids can't be trusted to wear masks and I'm like I, I, from personal experience only the kids at the parks I'm going to are all wearing masks most of the kids like. They go up to each other for two seconds and they're like, hi, and then they run away. It's not like there's a ton of breathing and pawing going on. Parents are supervising. But then I hear horror stories from people that are like, I live in another part of LA and the people just all come unmasked and it's a nightmare. So I don't know. It's like, uh, for me, I obviously want to keep my daughter safe, but I also want to keep myself sane. And taking her to playgrounds has been like the only thing we can do with her for the past like four months. So... I'm very pro mm-hmm. playgrounds being open, but I know that that might be controversial. Yeah, you know, I feel like in about 18 years, there's going to be a lot of like 18 to 25 year olds who were like toddlers and very small children getting like tattoos of monkey bars <laughs> on them. And like, I don't know why monkey, but like the slide has always been very important <laughs> to me. And it's like, you know, because your parents took you there every single day for like nine months. Um, Alyssa, have you noticed any like lockdown fatigue where you are? And um, is like, what's the situation like? So in upstate New York, people have fatigue, but everybody knows that upstate New York, unless you are in a long-term care facility or with old folks or a frontline worker, you're not getting the vaccine. And I actually took the New York Times interactive. So did I. (laughs) Okay. Let me just say I was behind 287 million Americans, 16 million New Yorkers, and 48,500 people in Columbia County. I didn't even think there were that many people up here in Columbia County. So... Is it the population of the country 300 million or something? 330! I was like two... I was like number 267 million or something like that. Like, I I think I'm a little bit ahead of you, Alyssa. I have no idea why. Because it's literally just age (laughs) and county. I have no idea why. But like, aren't there more children than that that they're not going to be vaccinating? I'm so confused how we are in the such a bottom echelon of the country. I don't know, but I can tell you that that really put me in my place. And so (laughs) (laughs) I am not being cavalier. I would like to, I would like to 
be able to go out to a restaurant or something, but we've reverted. We had like gone out once or twice to like outdoor restaurants, like where we sat under a veranda that had like circulating air and everything. And we're just back to take out and me cooking all the meals. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. (laughs) Kieran, did you notice anything in London when you were over there? And then uh, is anything different in Florida? So I, this is funny. I was, I always say I was, I was in England. Like I wasn't in London, but okay. I was just like a, like an hour North of London, but to the chagrin of everyone who lives in the rest of England, everyone says London. It's not just you, Ryan. It's like not everyone. It's like the rest of that garbage country doesn't exist. <laughs> hey man, I'm on your side. Um, look, they were, they were open until about a month and a half ago and it was pretty it all felt pretty reasonable like you could go to a pub um there was contact tracing um you could take the bus you could still take the bus like so you could take public transportation the ubers were open um they had like they were pretty they were decently open i would say when like lockdown hit it like hits pretty hard because things close early anyway in like the rest of England. And then on top of it, like half of those things aren't open anymore. Uh, What I will say is I thought Mm -hmm. the contact tracing was initially better than it was, but it turns out like my cousin, his child was in a class. So schools were the one place that they, they let kids go in and they potted them. So it'd be like 30 kids in a class, no masks, and you're in a pod. One of the girls or boys in the class got COVID and then they didn't test every child in that class because the NHS is incredibly strict about you have to have symptoms in order to get tested because it's all like government money and government funding, which I thought was very different than California where it's basically like, oh, like you're feeling scared? Come get a test. It's fine. It's free. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like you got to scratch, you got, you want to itch your head? Get a COVID test. Like it's, (laughs) it's a very, which is a better system on it. Like that's better about, about California. But I remember finding that shocking. I was like, it's not enough that she had exposure to a child. She would have to present symptoms for a disease that has proven to be asymptomatic. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so England was, was pretty locked down when I left. And then, uh, and then Florida is, is, I haven't like, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't left the house a ton uh, since I got here. But one thing that, I mean, why would you? You're in Florida. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, the weather, the weather is beautiful. Oh, that's yes, true. The reason that's is true. outside is blue skies and it's very beautiful. But um, the Miami airport was terrifying. I like, I got, I got stopped a second time. I wish I had a video of it. My mom was like, you should have taken a video of this. They stopped me. They took my passport away. And the second room that they took you into was hundreds of people with a low ceiling, not socially distanced, where they were calling you out by your, um, like I, I got, I was lucky to get priority because I was an American citizen. So I was in there for 30 minutes as opposed to six hours, but it was the lack of social distancing. I mean, it was hundreds of people in a room that was small, poorly ventilated with low ceilings at a major international airport. And you're like, how is this? Yikes. Like stuff like that feels so imminently fixable and systemic, like why would you create an environment that could potentially be a super spreader of an illness that we know is airborne in a place like that where people are coming through regardless? Like that's, I find that really mind blowing and kind of really upsetting in a way that, that, you know, you're not taking care of literally anyone, including your workers or anyone who's coming through there. 
Yeah, you know, a thing that I've I'm I've kind of started to get pissed about the lockdowns and stuff. Not because I don't think we should be doing it. We should be doing everything possible to mitigate the spread of COVID. It's a horrible disease, you know, it's not to be trifled with, obviously, but you know, I am a little bit pissed with the realization of like how many people who are in government and VIP type people are just kind of doing whatever the fuck they want anyway. And we're the ones paying for it, basically. Like Mike Pompeo, for example, um, one of the worst bitches in Washington, just terrible, terrible man, terrible person. Um, he is having like a Christmas party with like 900 people, not socially distanced. And you know what'll happen to Mike Pompeo if he gets sick? He will get the best medical care in the world. Yeah, he's not going to be helicopter. He's not going to be like driven four states away. Yeah, he's not going to be driven to Fargo to the nearest open bed. And like, you know, Donald Trump, when he got sick, because of his own stupidity, he... Uh, was an immense drag on the time and labor of some of the best doctors in the world who worked to make him better. Like Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, um, one of the wrongest people about COVID from top to bottom, who is in charge of a state that is a, a hot zone, essentially, is traveling around, flying around. If she gets COVID, she's gonna get governor mm. level care. And it's not just Republicans either. You know, here in Los Angeles, uh, a public official who is like a, I think she was like a health department official who voted in favor of closing down outdoor dining was seen hours after the vote dining outdoors in Santa Monica. Like uh, we had the whole French laundry deal, you know, a, a, a government official who tells people to stay home and then goes and eats at a very fancy restaurant with like, well, the windows are open, but like you just told other people that you can't do that and you're doing it anyway. It's just, I, I, maybe I'm just like very cranky, but I feel like everybody who's been doing this the whole time, who's been trying to be careful is like they're doing all the work so that these fuckos can run around and have Christmas parties. And it, it just seems so frustrating. I don't I don't know. Alyssa, do you see that? Do you notice that? Like, do you have a bee in look your bonnet at about it too? Look Rudy Giuliani, a one-man super spreader. And guess what? Now he's at, it's either Georgetown or GW Medical Center, and he's getting good care. And, you know, and again, somehow he went from testing negative to being in the fucking hospital within like 36 hours, which doesn't normally happen. Uh, and so, no, yes. I mean, it's just like, it's like either you're all in this together or you're not. And this is one of the things that working for Barack Obama for like 10 years, he was the number one. We have to feel the pain if other people feel the pain. And it gives you credibility. Like that's the thing. It's like if if you're a government official and you're staying home and you – post on Instagram, show people things that they can do. But then when you just, everybody wants to go out. We all want to go out. You know, I want to go to a restaurant. I want to not have my glasses fog up every time I take a deep breath. I am like, I need windshield wipers for my glasses. I can't control it. And I would give anything to not have to do that. But guess what? You know, 
that's the, them's the fucking breaks, as my mother would say. And uh, I just don't see how anyone can look at their parent, um, an at-risk sibling or friend, and just think that you're above it. You know, like my dad's at risk. Well, not like he 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 would kill me for saying that, but he's kind of at risk, and he hasn't left the house in. A very long time. I mean, he he goes out as sporadically as a human can. And like, I want them to not have to think about all of our parents and grandparents and like how much they would like to not worry that going to the shop right could land them in the hospital. And so just fuck all these mm-hmm. people, honestly. It's mm-hmm. just, it's such fucking bullshit. I mean, this is going to be the first year of my life that I'm not going to spend Christmas Eve at my house, you know, like first year of my whole life. And it sounds real dumb, like to to be hung up. It's not dumb. But it's like, you know, I know like people went home for Thanksgiving and like hospitals, people who work in hospitals are now suffering the consequences for other people's decisions, you know, like nurses and doctors and social workers and people, you know, people who work reception at hospitals are like dealing with people being selfish and like the, and now Christmas is coming up and people are going to do it again. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. Like, you you know, my friend, I don't want to like say too much about my friend's mom, but cause you know, she's not here to talk about it herself, but you know, her friend's mom wasn't engaged in risky behavior. Like most of the people that get really sick from it weren't the ones out there, Rudy Giuliani-ing, you know, all over the place and, you know, spitting on people and getting spat mm-hmm. on or whatever. And it's just, I, I don't know how to get it through to people. But at the same time, like, it's really, really exhausting to be doing this constantly. I'm so sick of the inside of my house. I'm so sick of it, you know? And like, I, w- I want to do something else, but there's nothing else to do. I, I don't know if, like, are any of you starting to feel like just kind of, not despair, but just kind of like a big bad case of the ennui, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I hear you. Like my kids, my kid has not seen, my parents have not seen my kid since Christmas of last year. You know, like that's a year of her life that's just like gone from them except on FaceTime and Instagram or whatever. And uh, and then I, I do get annoyed when I just see people like, oh, I'm just flying to New York to just to go. <laughs> like, you know, like just to head out there and see some people or like, you know, it, it makes me insane. So I think that's another part of it is like you feel like you're being like righteous and other people are being so selfish and it's like for some reason it's like stifling mm-hmm. you more in mm-hmm. your little bubble. I have like my my friends that have kids, um, one of them has a seven-year-old who like she said is is getting like sad from not being able to be around other kids. Is, is your daughter like... Well, my daughter is 20 months old. So I have to say <laughs> I have the perfect age child for a pandemic. I really do. Like she do- she doesn't have to go to school. She I don't have to arrange her Zoom schooling. Like I don't have to, she doesn't really know that she's supposed to be around other kids all the time, you know? So it's like, it's, it's actually, she doesn't mind the groundhog day of it all. Like we literally mm-hmm. get up and do the same thing every day. And I don't think she really notices that. Um, we'll see later when her psychological profile becomes more apparent. But, um, you know, 
I really feel for people who have like five, six, seven-year-old kids that know what school is and know that they're not in it and are missing their friends and missing that interaction. Because I really think that's like so important. And I, I mean, you know, I'm in mom groups on Facebook and stuff where people argue about this all the time. Like it's not worth the risk. Their mental health is worth, worth the risk. So it's like a lot of um, back and forth mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. I think that people, I think that what was helping was the potting, like over the summer when everybody felt like it was safe to pick another family and pod so your kids have some. And we've done that. We have another family that we're with and they have two kids. So my daughter does get some interaction with other kids. But yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's a real mess. And I don't think we'll know the effects of what this is doing to kids that are a little bit Mm -hmm. older for a while. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting is the notion of like shame, because I think people don't necessarily say Mm -hmm. what they are or aren't doing. It's like that comparison that, you know, in that article about like abstinence only versus like what is going to be effective. Because Pompeo is a really extreme example. Somebody who's having an indoor, I mean, I would hope that that's a really extreme example, that a person who's having a party with hundreds of people indoors, you know, with no masks, it just feels like you literally are like, smacking everyone in the mouth with a dildo. It's just insane. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like next level. You're like, like after the president had an event that turned out to be a super spreader, we're going to, you're really going to do that again. Like that, that really does feel insane. And then, but then there's, there's gradations of Alyssa. I went, you know, like saying like, I went to an outdoor restaurant twice or Kara saying like, I went to a playground. I know like some of the arguments against the playground is the bars. Do you know what I mean? It's the shared equipment. It's where the hands are of everyone. So you're sharing the surfaces or the kids are sharing the surfaces is normally the thing that comes into play. I I was on an airplane, you know, and even if it was after Thanksgiving, it's like technically could still be in that, like, you know, maybe it was, maybe I should have waited like another week or like, maybe you should have waited until January. And the question is, it's like, how do you, how do you balance, how do you balance your own mental health? Like if you have depression, if you have anything like that, how do you, how do you balance those things so that you can stay healthy and okay in the circumstances? And how can we kind of create a couple of systems that, that are essentially with better leadership have more finite sets of rules around them. And I get Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of like, you know, because New York opened up for a little while. They had outdoor comedy shows with rules where people were socially distanced. And I had some friends who drove Mm -hmm. to that side of the country because, you know, it wasn't just comedians making up those rules. They were instated by the government. It's like, France and Spain both had a second wave and then they shut down completely for like, um, I think a month to six weeks. And then they were able to slowly open back up again. America has been like particularly notorious for not being able to get their shit together in this way that's like, I don't know if it's because it's states. I don't know if it's because there's 20% of the population who's going to like speakeasies and like just like putting fingers in each other's butts and then in their mouths. I don't, like, I, mean, I, I genuinely am unsure. That I actually first heard of speakeasies on last week's SVU episode, not to bring it back. but Yes, I, which is about all of this. Yeah, they talk about, like, this girl going to this, like, <laughs> co- in New York City, this COVID speakeasy and, like, yeah, hooking up. And I was like, that's a thing? Like, I I mean, obviously, I'm not really in the swing in New York single scene anymore, but, like, I had yes. no idea that was a thing. I mean, people, people in New York are so angry and horny. Like, I mean, when I was living yeah. there, the, 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 my main takeaway is that everybody is very mad. But you know what, though, horny. in defense of New York, <laughs> is that we had, this is why what Trump has done is such 
a catastrophe and such malpractice because we needed a national strategy. If there had been a national strategy, whether it came to invoking the defense uh, authorization, the production authorization act, so that we all would have had fucking PPEs and masks. I mean, it took me like three three months to have more than one mask up here. And the thing is in New York, Cuomo did. Like it took he and de Blasio Mm. a bit of time to get in sync and they're still not totally in sync. But they shut this shit down. We were closed. Like New York, the entire state pretty much had to stay home. And so now it's like, well, we did our part, but other people in the country didn't do their part. And then they came to New York and then everyone was like, well, we already suffered. So fuck you. And and like if he had made the entire Mm -hmm. country take the pain. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I've read so much though that it so much – from smart people who said if the country had shut down for two weeks, so much of this would have been avoidable. And so I think that's the thing is that you have people who have been so rigorous and now they're like, well, fuck you. I'm sorry. Nobody in North, everybody in North Dakota went to the super spreader Trump rally and that all these places where there have been Trump rallies, well, fuck you. I don't want to stay home anymore. But yet, here we are. So the, home. the state response mm-hmm. being a big part, like the fact that it was state by state as opposed to having like a nat, because all those other countries did have nationally imposed. You know, all of them did. All of France, all of Spain. I, there's mm-hmm. two countries in, in Scandinavia that are like, they, they, they never shut down, but then they were very tight on their border controls. Well, Sweden had the, Sweden tried to do like the herd immunity. <laughs> And I don't think that worked. That didn't go (laughs) very well. But if you look even in the UK, Boris Johnson was like fully on board with Trump. And then his ass got COVID. Bad. So bad. He named his kid after his doctors. And then they have just shut down. But it is by and large, the country feels the pain. And he leads by example. He's been wearing the mask for months and months and months. Imagine if Trump had put a fucking mask on back in May. We would not be where we are right now. We would not be. And the other thing is the the furloughing. So mm-hmm. it's like when mm-hmm. when England shut down again, it, it goes without saying that ev- like everyone will be furloughed at an 80% version of their salary. So there isn't the same like you're shut down, Mm -hmm. your business is going to go under or it's one PPE loan that you have to get. So the economic consequences are something that is, Mm -hmm. you know, essentially um, at least front loaded by the government in the in the short term. And then everybody's great grandchildren will be paying for that for the rest of their time. The people with the slide tattoos, it's going to be they're going to they're going to be dealing with the cost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, the the way we went about it was so ass backward. Like we kept bars open and kept, you know, theaters and indoor gathering places open and closed schools, which was like the dumbest possible thing. Like it, kids are suffering and now it's dangerous for teachers. And, you know, my mom works in a school and they've had to shut down more than once. And it's like it was we did it in such a stupid way. And people were so like like adamantly anti-mask in a way that was like, that's like very unbecoming and weird. Um, I was actually reading this week that, um, that some doctors now think that because COVID uh, is a vascular disease, it may uh, have long-term impact on uh, a man's ability to become erect. And my, my first thought was like, we should have been saying this from day one. Ha- Had yeah, we, we should have just made it up. <laughs> we should have just been like, it's going to make it so your dick don't work. And then people would have worn masks. Everybody would have worn masks. 
Next pandemic, just, that's the plan. Immediately we gotta do that. Say, like it's gonna break your penis unless you wear a mask. Yeah. This makes your dick just crack in <laughs> half, this disease. You're gonna have to wear a mask. It's dick cracking disease. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I, I think that like, you know, it, it's it's a shame that we have to frame public health in such selfish terms. Like the only way to get people to act in a way that takes care of like other Americans is like, oh, it might actually make it so your penis is won't get hard. You know, that's the like that's the only way yeah. to get people to do anything that to like take care of each other. And it's just such a shame. And, you know, just going back to the vaccine real quick, like I think I would probably be number like, you know, 300 million <laughs> or whatever. But I, I think a lot of, I think about a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of women my age, I'm in, I'm in my late thirties and, you know, at a point in my life where I'm like, you know, thinking about starting a family and like, we don't know how it affects like fertility and pregnancy. And like, that's a decision that women, that, that because this vaccine was uh, rushed for a legitimate reason to, to market, we don't know how it affects that. Yeah. I'm actually pregnant right now. <laughs> And Congrats. not to announce on hysteria, stomach. but <laughs> thank you. I and I won't be able belly. to take this. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to take this vaccine until early 2022. Yeah. So I will be relying on herd immunity all next year if that happens. <laughs> See, that's legit, though. That's a legit reason to not get a vaccine, like as opposed to someone who's like, mm, yeah. I just don't. I'm just going to wait for everyone else to do it just just because mm-hmm. like. Well, it's also it's also going to hundreds of thousands of millions of uh, healthcare workers and and people in nursing homes. So like you're going to know if it like makes you grow a unicorn mm-hmm. horn or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna know. So everyone that's like, I'm waiting. It's like, <laughs> of course you're waiting. You're not allowed to have it. Yeah, yet. good good <laughs> like, decision that you totally didn't make at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this is a great conversation. I'm sure we're gonna talk about more COVID stuff because it's gonna be a part of our lives for quite some time. Um, Kara, I'm really glad that you were here for this conversation because like the thing about moms and kids and that sort of thing is such a, such a huge issue during the pandemic. So, you know, next time we need a mom, we might call you up and be like, come on, can you? Oh, please. Happy to be your mom respondent or whatever. Can you, (laughs) mom respondent. Are we not creating cute words? Virus, virus virusitis. (laughs) I thought we were doing that. Vaccine uritis. Vaccine uritis. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm I'm not going to apologize. I'm not sorry at all. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, let's do. I feel petty. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash hi. And welcome back. We have reached the part of the show where we take strong stances on things that don't really matter. It is called I Feel Petty. But before we get to what we're petty about this week, a little bit of housekeeping. Alyssa, I don't think I've ever been 
this excited about any product in the history of the world. I think it's fair. I think that I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So our cats are on coffee mugs. Mm -hmm. And the coffee mugs say uh, podcat on them. I love podcats. I love podcats. Um, Eleanor and Midge are, of course, if you're listening to this show, probably among your favorite podcasts. Um, The dogs of Crooked Media get a lot of play, and I think it's only fair for cats to have their their time in the sun. So, um, yeah, there's Eleanor and Midge mugs available in uh, the Crooked Media store. If you want to order them and have them in time for Christmas, which you probably do. I mean, everyone needs one. And also, I feel like they should be a set. I definitely ordered a set. And then lots of others. <laughs> I ordered a set also. I'm giving some to my mom for Christmas. Mom, I hope you're not listening to this episode <laughs> or you've given up at this point. Um, okay, so uh, there's also brand new Hysteria desk calendars to help make it a great year in 2021 because 2021 compared to 2020, basically unless you spend every single day just like getting a hit on the head with a hammer, it will be better than 2020. Um, the desk calendars are really cute. Um, Alyssa and I like kind of went back and forth with like the illustrator and marketing team and the illustrations are, they're amazing, amazing, amazing. And art, the art is just, is so cool. So the desk calendar is awesome. Um, the podcast mugs are also awesome. And, uh, yeah, there's other stuff there too. Definitely check it out. The sweatshirts are super cozy. Oh my gosh. The revolution is not so cozy. Glam. Yeah, it's super, super cozy. I love it. Um, I wore it to work out the other day, and I felt very cool. Um, <clears throat> but make sure to place your order before December 11th so that it for sure will arrive by December 24th. But, you know, even if you place the order after December 11th, it will arrive at some point, and you can celebrate Christmas whenever it gets there, you know? It's basically 2020 in a nutshell. Exactly. Crooked.com slash store is where you find all that. Okay, the house has been kept. Now let's get on to our pettiness. Alyssa. I hear that you've got something you feel petty about this week. So, you guys know how I love Christmas, and I'm in upstate New York, and where I live, the property we live on, literally we purchased because of this giant cedar tree. And when we looked at the property, I was like, one day I am going to put white lights all over that cedar tree. It's like 22 feet tall. So I found, uh, I bought all the lights I could possibly buy here in Columbia County, and I found two very nice men to put them up. And they worked really hard to put these lights up. And the fucking lights, they're just dying by the day. LED lights dying by the day on a 22, 24-foot tree. It is like nails on a chalkboard. It's driving me insane. I have a ladder. I have (laughs) rakes because I pull the strands down and I try to replace every single bulb so that I can find which one is wrong. And... My husband was like, DK was like, what's wrong with you? This was yesterday morning. He's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, nothing. I'm fine. He's like, something's wrong. I was like, honestly, it's just like, I just, it's 2020. And I just keep looking at the tree and like more and more lights are going down. I'm just gonna have to take them all down because who wants a tree where half the lights are out? And I lost my mind. I got in the car. I went to the Lowe's in Catskill. I bought more lights to use as replacements. Let me tell you why they're going out. Because I went down the motherfucking rabbit hole on this one. So LED lights, when you buy them, you should buy single piece where the bulb is connected to the socket. The lights I bought, which are supposed to be great, are double. So you put the light into the socket. So when I looked closely, the bulbs had condensation on the inside, meaning they were corrupted. So 
<laughs> I just want you to know that the reason I feel petty about it is that I did, in fact, get so angry that I DM'd the company who made the lights to be like, it is 2020. I worked so hard to get this done. I spent like good money on these lights. And I hope you know you have ruined my Christmas. I did that. So there you go. There you oh, go. Wow. Now you know more than you could ever want to know about LED string alongs. Did the company send you a coupon for one free they Christmas? They haven't. They haven't responded the yet. And oh. I will keep DMing until they do. Or I will go public. <laughs> heard wow, it you first. heard it here first. Alyssa is about to blow up a poor mom and pop lighting oh, they're company. they're not mom and pop. This over her some big box shit. <laughs> On the plus side, you could look at it as a bit of a hobby, something to do, you know, something to do in the COVID time. Oh, yeah. Kieran, I'll send you video of me outside on the ladder. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to it. I look forward to it. This is great. We're making content. Um, Kieran, do you have anything you feel petty about this week? You know, I'm a a woman who's been a, a woman for a while, and... I find it very annoying that <laughs> why does my period still surprise me? Like, like it's it's a monthly thing. Like every time I'm like, why am I sad? Why do I feel angry? Why am I more angry than usual? Oh, things feel particularly dark. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I got my period. But I forget every month as if it never happened. You would think, you would think that like, maybe if you're 15 years old, 16, 17, 18, maybe if you're 25, but no, I still, problem with the period, like I just, I, it, it, it blows my mind. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like the way you don't realize what you're eating or what you're putting in your body until you write it down. It's like, do you have to keep a calendar of that shit? Like what? All right. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair. I yeah. still I get surprised by mine, also. But it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. Every it's time like, you're like, yeah, I'm it's, dying. It's, oh no, it's like <laughs> life is hopeless. Nothing is ever gonna get. I'm I'm worthless. Nothing is ever gonna be happy again. And then the next day, I'm like, oh, that's what. That's the commercial. That's oh, why. That's why am I crying? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just like at the end of, oh, it's just like women going, Tampax. oh, like somebody's in a train station. Oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh like oh. a little light bulb that is like the color of like, a, it's like a red light bulb. Ding. Period. Um, okay. That makes sense. I feel petty about something this week. I've felt petty about this for a long time, actually. Um, so, you know, I've got, I have long hair and I'm lazy. So usually I put it up like in a ponytail or a bun or something like that because I don't feel like brushing it. Um, but when I'm riding in a car, it is very difficult for me to put my head back on the headrest when they're, when I'm wearing a ponytail because cars were designed without thinking about the fact that sometimes women wear ponytails. We need a car headrest that has like a little divot a in shelf. it. shelf. Or like a little like... Yeah, like a little area because I can't like I don't like sitting with my head kind of forward. It hurts my neck. So yeah, f- fucking take women's hair into consideration. What about a when hole? You're designing a car. What about a hole? I just a think little that hole. That, a hole. A, a pony, pony hole. hole. Just burrow a hole into your pony hole. Two, I don't know, man. Two two good advent <laughs> two good adventures from that episode dirty. would be the pony hole and then a <laughs> and little uh, windshield wipers for the glasses. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. Why don't they do that? Novel they have like novelty hats. It is 
it has been driving me insane this whole pandemic, the the foggy eyeglasses thing. Like then I'm sitting there like holding yes. my mask in front of me, but like trying to get some air in to like clear them up. Yeah. I'm like pushing my child on her little bike. I'm like, I'm going to steer her into traffic. I can't see anything. Like it's so horrible. I saw I a, like a, a video on, maybe it was on Reddit or something. It was like, see, easy. This is how you keep your mask from fogging up your glasses. And somebody was taking surgical tape and taping it down. I'm not putting tape on this delicate skin. No. No, no that's how you like. Yeah, as if we're not already getting mask knee. Now we're just going to like literally <laughs> tape our pores shut no, up. Top. Not doing no, that. Thanks. Not doing that. At one point in the future, I will go out in public again, and I want to look okay. And that that's just not a thing I'm going to do. Um, Kara, what do you feel petty about this week? Okay, well, this is, like, so silly and so petty. And, and truly, it's more of, like, a preference. But it reminded me that, that it's Christmas coming up. And, you know, people are starting to text me for my address because they never write it down. And uh, when people send out Christmas cards that are just their children— I don't like that. I don't like that. Where are you? Are you erased now that you had kids? Like, I want to see you. You're my friend. You're the person I've known forever. I've never even met these children. Why do I want to see them snuggling in the snow, like holding each other? I mean, I do, but I want to see you too. And you you can't be like, oh, I just like, I, I feel gross. No, no. Get a picture of yourself and get it on there. I want to know how you're aging. <laughs> Do you feel like you have to be friends with the kids or can you just be friends with the parents? Ooh, that's a good question. My, my, some of my friends have kids I do not Really? Like. Absolutely. Well, they're yeah, people. I, I, they're people, of course. Yeah, I have a couple like friends whose kids are assholes and that's just the bottom line. I mean, maybe they'll be different. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to accept their change, but I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to meet them brand new every time. But when someone shows you who they are, Maya Angelou, believe them. <laughs> So do you just, do you just glaze? So how do you handle that? Do you just glaze over the kids or? I just don't, I mean, if a kid is being an asshole, I just kind of, I just kind of ignore them. I mean. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I had a kid just like saying super rude shit to me one time and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to talk to your mom. Like I don't, I don't need you in this conversation anymore. So you don't confront the mom. You're not like, so we need, we need to have a conversation about Alex. No, I mean, I've only been a mom for 20 months and I still know they're not, not to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's so funny because I, I mentioned this mom group I'm in and like moms will post stuff like that where they're like, this kid was doing this. Should I say something to the mom? It's like, no, they will figure it out. They will know. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's so wild to go up to someone and go, your child was doing X, Y, Z or like your child seemed rude. Like, no, no. I come on podcasts and I wait for the I Feel Petty segment and that's where I talk about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you can just be friends with a parent, but you don't let the parent yes, know that you hate their child. 99% of my friend's children I adore and I think are so are sweet cool. and lovely. I mean- yes. And I like want to talk to the kids. I oh, think yeah, kids they're are hilarious. So you know, I think it's, I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> people, it's like when someone has a dog you don't like. You can just ignore it, you know? You could just, yeah, the dog right. is probably going to be a little bit annoyed with you, but who, who, who cares? Sure. And maybe when that kid is like 15, they're going to turn a corner. I'm going to be like, oh, you being a rude asshole is like the best thing about you. Like, let's talk about housewives. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I'm probably yeah, going to love yeah. them then. So we're just not, we're just right. not in our time That's yet. a very evolved <laughs> way of thinking about it. 
Um, <laughs> Kara, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you guys, thank you for having me. I love hysteria. Love all of you guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome anytime. Um, and Kieran, welcome back to the States. It was great, <laughs> to, so great to have thank you back. You. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Thank you to Judge Lena Hidalgo for talking to us earlier. And thanks to you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation is our Janet. But these girls got to fan it. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Nar Malconian and Magic Root. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? Try out What's Next, Slate's daily news podcast. Each weekday, host Mary Harris is on call for you, taking on one story and going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Honestly, What Next is one of my very favorite podcasts, so definitely check it out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.